Welcome to Florida Politics, a conversation with Senator Kathleen Pasadomo. I'm Melissa Murphy with the fund. And in my role as general counsel, one of my primary responsibilities is to advocate for fund members uh, and their real estate practices with the people in Tallahassee. I often talk with fund members about how important it is to have strong connections with our representatives in Tallahassee, uh, those people that create and or enforce the laws that regulate our businesses and what we do every day. I think it's really important for fund members to stay in the loop as to what's going on uh, with our government officials. And that's why we try to create a lot of opportunities for you to get information. We are so lucky to have as our guest today, Senator Kathleen Pasadomo. And there are several reasons why I asked Senator Pasadomo to meet with us today and why I think this conversation will be so interesting. She has been a practicing lawyer for, oh, hmm, you know, 40 years or so. She has a real estate practice in Naples, Florida. She is board certified in real estate, and she was in the very first class of attorneys that became board certified in real estate, and she thinks that she was the only woman in that group. And here's the best part. She has been a fund member since she began practicing in 1979, so she truly is one of us, and she understands our issues. She has served in the Florida legislature since 2010. She served three terms in the House of Representatives and then was elected to the Florida Senate in 2016. Her district includes Collier, Hendry, and parts of Lee counties. So welcome, Senator Pasadoma. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. You bet. And before we get into legislative stuff, I would really like for our fund members to get to know you just a little bit. So why did you choose real estate as your area of focus? Well, actually, real estate chose me. Um, I began my practice in 1979 in Naples. And of course, that was uh, when Naples was just beginning to take off from being a sleepy little fishing village to what it is today. And uh, I joined a small uh, one person firm and I was supposed to be, and back then, remember that was 40 years ago, nobody really specialized. Everybody did everything from trust and estates to litigation to real estate. And he hired me to be his litigator. And I realized quickly on that that was not my. Uh, area my interest and i started doing real estate closings and developer work and uh, that was the end of that <laughs> i understand how sometimes a an area of practice can find you whether than the other way around so you you were practicing real estate what prompted you to run for the legislature well, in 2007, uh, 2008, I was the uh, president of the Collier County Bar Association. And that was, uh, back then, that was the uh, uh, Great Recession that unfortunately was, seems like a good thing back then compared to now. Um, and, and we had foreclosures uh, 
thousands of them in Collier County. In 2008, 14,000 construction workers lost their jobs, and um, most of them were in foreclosure. And the problem was the foreclosure statute back then was really not working. Uh, and we all know about the robo-signing and the, the foreclosure um, uh, fraud, and uh, et cetera. So, I had formed a task force, uh, a foreclosure task force with some lawyers locally, and we decided that we were going to help people stay in their homes. The problem is that back then there was no way to do that because when you didn't have an income, you couldn't afford to pay payments. So we changed to depart with dignity and we tried to work with bankers on uh, having them uh, take the property back. And it really was a very, it was like a, I felt like a one-arm paper hanger. And it all went back to the the legislation, the Foreclosure Act, and it really there really wasn't even in one place. It was all over Florida statutes, little pieces of foreclosure. So um, in 2010, the uh, uh, the guy who uh, was in my seat at the at the time decided he wasn't going to run. So I said, oh, I'm going to do it, and I, I ran unopposed. And Wow. That was, and, and the first thing I did was file a bill, a foreclosure bill, but it took three years to pass. But when, when it did in 2013, we called the Florida Fair Foreclosure Act, and I think it's a model uh, act that hopefully is working for both borrowers and lenders. And it, it sounds like your experience as a real estate attorney has excuse me, helps you a great deal in carrying out your responsibility as a legislator. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and frankly, it's not just my experience as a real estate lawyer. It's uh, my experience as an attorney uh, altogether. A lot of times you joke when you're in law school about what is the purpose of this this process we're going through, you know, the uh, the case law method and everything. And I used to, and I did that too 40 years ago than that now. And I realized the one thing that law school did and the one thing practicing law is to, uh, you learn how to identify issues. And then by learning how to identify the issues, it's helped me then to create solutions to the issues uh, that come before the legislature and, and be able to read legislation. And um, thinking like a lawyer is very helpful um, in the process. I agree. I always say that the the best thing that I learned in law school was how to think, how to take a group of facts or hear about a situation and sort of distill it down to its essence. So I'm glad to know that that's um, a skill you recognize and you agree with that. And that's how you uh, try to be effective in Tallahassee. So you that's mentioned the foreclosure reform bill, but what are some of the other bills that you have sponsored that uh, involve real estate? Well, through the years, and I was thinking about this before the the webinar was called, almost every uh, bill that I filed has had some relationship to something that I'm familiar with um, and, and in some ways knowledgeable about. Um, so I did the Marketable Record Title Act revision back in uh, 2018. And uh, hopefully that's working and uh, creating a process, streamlining the process for uh, covenants and restrictions, revitalization. And at least I, I understood it. When I would tell my colleagues, well, we've got a MARTA bill, they're like, <laughs> they had no idea what I was talking about. But, you know, we got through that. 
uh, one of the other bills, the probably the uh, a most maligned bill that most people, except for real estate lawyers, understand uh, did not understand was the customary use bill that I filed in 2018. Which, um, as I look back on it, I mean it, it's it was the right thing to do, but it created huge political ramifications. And in some ways, I wish I had the real estate. Uh, bar behind me to help me explain it because uh, in general the general public really did not uh, not only did not appreciate it but didn't understand it although um, at this point it's 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 being helpful as in this uh, the current crisis that we have it has um we also worked together on the estoppel bill. <laughs> I'm um, glad you brought that up <laughs> yeah, several years ago I mean that's going back uh two three years, or four or five years now um, um yeah I, that. I think uh what i'd like to mention about the estoppel bill and and it really it, it affects all all real estate practices because we all with doing title insurance and doing closings we all have to deal with obtaining estoppels and i thought it was ludicrous the way this whole thing was happening and 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 it, to the point where People were paying five, six, seven hundred dollars for an estoppel uh, to just to be to to be told that they were uh, not delinquent. Um, and the the thing that, that we need to um, recognize about that bill, I mean, it still hasn't gone away, by the way. And you'll and practitioners are now talking about the uh, add-on fees, the convenience fees, this fee, that fee. So stay tuned. Um, we may end up having to do something else with it. But the, the point of that bill was it became such an industry-wide food fight. And uh, when, you know, we spent more time on the estoppel bill than we did on the alimony bill, which was huge. And it, it took how many years to get that estoppel bill passed? At least four sessions? Yeah, it, it was truly a food fight. I agree. Um, and um, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say, stay tuned. Uh, because there are some additional tweaks that need to be made to that bill to bring some equity to the situation. I don't know that this is the year to do that. There's a lot of <laughs> others going on, right. um, it, but, but certainly some some adjustments need to be made. Um, how about the remote online notarization bill? I know you didn't sponsor that, but I don't know. You and I, you and I had meetings all kinds of different places around the state. When I would grab you here or grab you there, and we would talk about it, that was a very challenging bill. Uh, but talk about your perspective on that. Well, I actually became involved in that. Um, uh, gee, when I was, I think the first year I served in the Senate, uh, and I it actually passed, but it got vetoed. Correct. Uh, and uh, I did sponsor that bill. Uh, and I think Jamie Grant uh, sponsored it in the House, if I, I recall. Um, why did I do it? Well, it's a practical issue. Uh, and you and I have had that conversation. If the members of the fund knew how many conversations and fights you and I had about it until we ultimately ended up how to work it out. But as a practitioner, and I would have a closing where I had somebody in a different country or, or across the the other side of the, the our country and to try to to find a notary and then you had the the, the language issue in different countries uh, i thought this would be a simple way to do it and um 
the argument, the, the fraud argument, I thought didn't really hold water because if I'm doing a closing and I get a document that was notarized in Germany or in Australia, I'm relying on it just like I would a remote notarization. So uh, the, the important thing for me was how to create the language so that it would work, that people could rely on it. And uh, uh, bless his heart, Senator Brandis, who is just um, uh, a terrific, uh, uh, he's not even a lawyer, but you think he was, is, was on top of it and did a really good job, I think. We have a great, a great Ron Law in Florida, uh, but as with a stopple, stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, because having seen it implemented now, even though only for four or five short months, but the pandemic has definitely brought remote online notarization into very, very sharp focus. We mm. have discovered some things that uh, when you have time, I would love to talk with you about that need to be tweaked um, to make it more practical, to make it more usable, uh, because this use of it has revealed some gaps in the language, but that's for another day, Senator. Well, you know, you bring up a good, you bring up a good point though. Whenever we do something that is novel, that is creative, that is thinking outside the box, we're not going to always uh, identify all the unintended consequences. You know, we try to, but uh, you know, that's what the legislature is for. And then we'll, we'll, we always use the word tweak, even when we have wholesale changes half the time. But um, I'm not adverse to that. And, and I, I think to make a law better is better for all of us. What's that old saying? Don't sacrifice the good for the perfect or the perfect for the good. Uh, whatever that saying is, I think that's true in legislation. Um, and certainly you have to test things before you see what the unintended consequences are and then go back and fix those. Well, and I think uh, one of the, the important aspects of any uh, piece of legislation is to, to be, have an open mind and to be willing with work, to work with all the stakeholders. Uh, every um, significant piece of legislation <clears throat> I've filed, I've had, um, uh, you know, I call them working groups, and uh, where I would basically take uh, uh, ideas, suggestions, changes from anybody who is interested. I had an open tent, I let everybody put their nose in the tent, and then at the very end would um, use, getting back to what you said earlier, my judgment as a practicing lawyer to distill all the various um, uh, points of view and opinions into a piece of legislation that I think uh, A, will work, and B, will pass, and C, will get signed by the governor. Right. And also that you can negotiate and sell to your fellow lawmakers. Well, that's true. Or pick pick bills that are so complicated that they okay, I rely on you. I, I, I believe you. That's a strategy. I like well, it. Now, we have some very sharp legislators. And uh, for one of them, for example, uh, Senator Simmons in the Senate, I'm going to miss him. He term limits out. And he, um, he, he picks through legislation like nobody else and picks up on everything. And it's great to have people like that. I agree. I agree. I always like that second set of very um, astute eyes, for sure. Right. right. Are there are there any other issues that you sense might be coming up 
in, in the legislative session in early 2021 that affect title insurance or real estate? Well, the big one is the issue uh, of the public records exemption for uh, law enforcement, uh, uh, first responders, and uh, people may not be aware that, and, and I was not aware of this unintended consequence of all personal identifying information of uh, public, uh, you know, law enforcement, et cetera, is now going to be redacted from the public records, including right. legal descriptions. Right. So, and I, unfortunately, it, it, you know, it did, wasn't brought to my attention. I think during the, the process, I probably would have put, tried to put a break on it. Uh, and that is now, if you're going to do a title insurance, how are you going to, how are you going to insure title when you can't search it? You can't find the deed. I agree. Um, and I assure you the industry really appreciates your willingness to get involved in this and come up with the appropriate solution. Uh, so I know you're going to be spending a lot of time on that issue. And um, we, we really need something to be done to balance these competing interests of needing to protect these people that put their lives on the line for right. us every single day with protecting their interest in their home and other property. There's gotta be a balance there. And I am confident that with your guidance, we <laughs> can get to a resolution, so. Well, and this gets back to, I'm inviting stakeholders from, you know, from all sides to participate in conversations about the issue because there's a lot of creativity out there and we just have to find a way that doesn't end up harming anyone. Agreed. So let's talk about your uh, moving up in the Senate leadership structure and, in fact, are slated to be president of the Senate in a few years. So is that something you pursued or is it something that you have just agreed to? Um, talk to us about the challenges of that process. Well, first of all, um, and most importantly, uh, uh, I'm a Republican and we have to keep the Republican majority in the Senate uh, for me to be president. And uh, that's uh, number one, um, well, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I, uh, I actually had no thought of uh, running for Senate president. And the, you are elected by your members. Um, and it, it, it just... It happened. Uh, almost uh, several of my colleagues uh, asked me if I would be interested, and I said, "Not on your life at first. Uh, <laughs> but but then uh, they convinced me, and and um, you know, I'm I'm I I really want to serve. I want to help. I want to help my my uh, colleagues. I want to help my caucus. And and I think uh, you know, uh, your lips to God's ear that that will occur in uh, 2022. How do you feel about being the only the third female Senate president in our state's history? And it's been, I think, around 20 years since the last woman served as president. Any reaction to that? Well, I never really, you know, it's funny. I never really thought about that. Um, and and uh, of course, I've gotten to know Tony Jennings, who uh, was the last one 20 years ago, and she, she's an amazing role model. I uh, uh, you know, business person, 
uh, well thought of, measured, um, did a terrific job. So that's a, that's a tough act to follow. But I, you know, I never look at it as being a female, male, whatever. I, I just, uh, we represent uh, everybody in the state and um, it's not a question, although sometimes I do, I do tell people I am a, like a good old boy, um, you know, and, but I don't look at it as being a male woman thing. I, re I really don't. Agreed. Um, I think it's your leadership qualities that are getting you there, um, that and nothing else. So what are your goals um, for the next several years in the legislature um, and, and ultimately as Senate president? What are, what are your kind of thoughts that are guiding you and you're focused on? Well, um, conventional wisdom would say uh, you don't want to give uh, uh, tell people what your your goals and plans are because then those people who don't want you to achieve them will start working against you and um, uh, so I, I think uh, my my philosophy is going to be uh, you know twofold obviously to continue our um, economic policies which are becoming more and more important um, you know, we have to make sure Florida's economy is uh, continues to grow. Now, we have just hit a huge roadblock. And mm -hmm. so that's going to be a huge challenge. So any ideas of, of initiatives that I wanted to undertake have gone out the window because, uh, you know, we're going to be fine um, this, this budget cycle because we have uh, significant reserves and we're receiving funding uh, as, as many states are from the federal government. But Moving forward, we're going to be uh, challenged economically, so that's going to be a number one focus. Um, and I also have always been interested in tort reform, and and I uh, and I think um, that's something that we also need to focus on. And then we get back to, you know, the the, the policies that we uh, began uh, to pursue, particularly the water policies, which are significant for our state. We have to get back to those. Um, the question is going to be, where's all the funding going to come from? So uh, that that's going to be a huge challenge. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with um, Senator Simpson as president uh, come November, and you know he's got some great ideas, and um, you know we'll meet those challenges. Is it your sense that that the legislative session, which is in January and February, or no, not till March, right. March to May next year. It's a regular cycle next year. Is it your sense that that might be more like business as usual by then? I, I don't I don't know. This last session was kind of different too. I don't think there's such a thing as business as usual. Um, you know, we, we're going to have large initiatives uh, that we always have. Uh, again, the environment, education, um, you know, those kind of things that are really healthcare issues that we're going to continue to tackle. But we're going to have to look at how we're going to pay for all the expenses that we are incurring. And I, I, uh, I remember, you know, I served um, for 10 years in the legislature, and I know that in the, uh, two, you know, 2000 and eight, nine, 10, uh, there were huge uh, reductions in state spending. And um, 
we're going to probably have to take a hard look at that. And we're not going to be able to do as much funding, I think, as we had in the past. I, I mean, I hope that the economy comes roaring back. And if right. it does, then we can continue on our path of economic development and the like. Well, as a final wrap up, how can we help you? Uh, what can fund members do uh, to help you in your efforts in Tallahassee? Well, it, it, I, I tell this to everybody, get involved. Uh, uh, one of the, one of the, and I tell this when I, when I talk to groups, um, when you, you have busy practices, most of the real estate lawyers in the state are just uh, extremely busy. So they don't really get involved in the legislative process until the very end. And when a, and a problem arises and then they uh, become involved, but it doesn't make sense to wait that long. Get get to know your uh, your senator. Get to know your your house member, uh, so that as the process moves on, you can pick up the phone and call them and have a conversation with them. Get to know the newly elected ones. Don't wait and and call your senator, your house member who's been there uh, eight years. Uh, talk to the the new guys, new gals, and and get to know them and 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 um, uh, express your thoughts on how you feel. The legislative process should 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 uh, run. Uh, that that's the best thing that I can I can say. Right. That makes sense. Um, that's a message that I deliver to fund members all the time. In addition to saying, help me do my job on your behalf up in Tallahassee, because I agree, people can't afford to leave their practices and go up to Tallahassee during the session. Um, that's my job to do that. But there's nothing to stop anybody from emailing or calling their representative and expressing their concern. And as you say, just get to know them. Let right. them know what your issues are. Get to know them. Um, so that's great advice. So, Senator, thank you again for taking the time um, out of your schedule to visit with us and talk with fund members about what's going on in Tallahassee and a little bit of your perspective on it. Um, we really appreciate your service, and I certainly look forward to working with you and other leaders in the House and Senate on the issues that are facing us here over the next year. And thanks to our viewers and listeners uh, for attending our new form of Fund Assembly for 2020, a virtual Fund Assembly, and thank you for your support of the Fund.